Chapter Sixteen of Hope and Have Fanny Grant Among the Indians by Oliver Optic. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen The Young Exiles. Wahina, with his hands still tied behind him, was led by Fanny, while Ethan trundled the wheelbarrow across the handles of which lay the two guns, ready for use if occasion should require. The Indians had halted on one of the little emises of the prairie, and appeared to be watching the departure of the fugitives from their once happy home. Lean Bear was evidently very fond of his little son, who was a boy of bright promise, measured by the Indian standard. He had exhibited no concern for the mother while she lay senseless upon the ground, but he seemed to be willing to make any sacrifice, even to the curbing of his ferocious nature, for Wahina's sake. The party of Indians on the knoll appeared to be impressed with the misfortune of their leader in the loss of his favorite son. Though the work of rapine and death was still going on in the settlement, they did not heed it. The messenger had probably represented to Lean Bear that Wahina would certainly be killed if he attempted to molest the little party, and the chief had withdrawn far enough to remove all temptation on the part of Ethan to execute his threat. The wheelbarrow was heavily loaded, and it was hard work for the prairie boy to move it along over the soft soil. On a hill, just before the descent to the lake commenced, he paused to rest for a moment. He was in excellent spirits, and was proud of the success which had thus far attended his stratagem. He was confident that he should reach the island in safety, where, having the only boat on the lake in his possession, he was satisfied that he should be able to defend himself and his companion, especially with Wahina as a guarantee for the good behavior of the Indians. Ethan was entirely satisfied with himself and he was about to resume the march towards the lake, when his attention was attracted by a noise in the direction opposite to that in which Lean Bear and his party had retreated. "'Creation! Hokey!' shouted Ethan. "'What's the matter?' asked Fanny. "'Don't you see the engines coming out of the woods?' replied he, as he grasped the rifle and raised it to his shoulder. "'Ho, ho, ho! He, he, he!' yelled the band of savages as they rushed out of the covert of the trees and ran towards the spot where ethan stood we are lost gasped fanny almost overcome by this new peril no we ain't lost fanny you keep a stiff upper lip lay right down on the ground behind the wheelbarrow and don't let the vermin see you if they can hear use that air pistol one of the new enemies was considerably in advance of the others as if anxious to drink the first blood of the victims before him. Suddenly he came to a halt, raised his rifle, and fired. "'Creation hokey!' exclaimed Ethan, as the ball whistled frightfully near his head. "'Hadn't we better run?' asked Fanny, in trembling tones. "'Tain't no use to run. Them redskins can beat you all to pieces running,' replied Ethan, as he retreated behind the wheelbarrow, and resting the rifle upon it, took careful aim at the savage who was in advance of the others. He fired. The Indian fell, and lay still on the ground. "'That's something towards it, anyhow,' continued Ethan, encouraged by the success of his first shot. "'If I can fetch down one more of em, it will make the rest a leetle grain scary.' "'The other Indians are coming too, Ethan,' said Fanny. "'Let em come,' 
if they do we're safe the immediate followers of lean bear were rushing towards the spot with all their might the swiftest runner of the party had far outstripped his companions but it was evident to ethan and fanny that he was moving towards the other band of savages rather than towards them he was shouting in his own tongue words which were unintelligible to the white boy and girl but if the words were not understood their effect was for the hostile band presently halted and awaited the arrival of the messenger in the meantime ethan placed wahina in a position where he could be seen by all the savages and with the revolver in his hand stood in readiness to make another demonstration at the life of the boy if it should be necessary it was not needed for all these indians belonged to the tribe of lean bear whose command was law to them we are safe ethan said fanny so we are but i've killed one injun and i reckon i could kill some more don't you feel sorry you killed him asked fanny not if i knows myself i don't i'd like to kill the whole boodle em all after what they did consarn thar picters i'd reckon we'd better be gettin along i think we had it is really terrible to think of killing a man tain't no more terrible than killing all them women and children up on the settlement replied ethan as he raised the handles of the barrow and moved on i hope they'll send the saugers up here and kill off all the injuns this side of sundown oh i hope it won't be necessary to do that added fanny it ought to be done what's them injuns good for but to be shot i kinder wish they'd come so i could have fetched down some more of em on consarnum it is lucky the party of lean bear was near enough to turn them back we might have been killed before this time i don't know replied ethan shaking his head we have done nobly ethan but wahina has saved us so far i know that i catched him for just what he has done for us the rest of the way to the lake was down a gentle declivity and the wheelbarrow moved more easily than before in a short time they reached their destination on the shore of the beautiful sheet of water at which was moored a boat it was not such a craft as the greyhound in which fanny had been accustomed to sail it was a bateau or flat-bottomed boat with very sharp slopes under the bow and stern it had a keel and rudder and was provided with a sail the stores and utensils from the wheelbarrow were quickly transferred to the boat and then the barrow itself was placed on board the wind now blew tolerably fresh and was fair for reaching the island but ethan with all his other accomplishments knew no more about the management of a boat than of a ship which he had never even seen the boat had been built by mr grant and a carpenter of the settlement during the preceding winter and ethan had never sailed in it but once i don't know nothing about this here thing said ethan i can paddle but i reckon the sail would tip us over i can manage it replied fanny confidently can ye did ye ever manage a boat with a sail yes once answered fanny as she thought with shame of the cruise she had made in the greyhound let us hoist the sail and we can run over to the island in a few moments fanny assisted by ethan hoisted the sail and the bateau darted out of the little cove where she had been moored wahina who had been as stoical in danger as his race uttered an exclamation of alarm perhaps called forth by the novelty of the situation and of the peril ethan was not entirely satisfied with the movements of the boat under sail 
for she careened under the fresh breeze till her gunwale was within an inch of the surface of the lake. Fanny took the helm, and as she eased off the sheet, which her previous experience had taught her to do in such an emergency, the boat came up to an even keel, and the confidence of the prairie boy was fully restored. "'I don't want to be tipped over and drownded after all we've got from under the engines,' said he, in apology for his timidity. "'I'm sure I don't fear the water after the terrible scenes we have passed through,' replied Fanny. "'But there is no danger.' "'I don't know as there is, but even the little engine boy was scared when she tipped so. "'I ought to have unfastened this rope before we hoisted the sail,' added Fanny, pointing to the sheet. "'I ain't afeard if you ain't, Fanny. I don't reckon we could a paddled her over to the island in seven years.' "'It would have taken a long time,' said Fanny, glancing back at the smoking buildings of the settlement. She was sad at heart when she thought of the murder and destruction which had occurred that morning. It was pleasant on the lake, but neither Fanny nor Ethan was in a condition to enjoy the sail. Each was thinking of friends in the settlement who had probably been slain by the remorseless savages. Fanny steered the bateau in silence till she reached the shore of the island which was about two miles from the point where the party had embarked. It was very small, containing not more than half an acre of land. A single tree grew on the highest part, and all of it was covered with grass, like the ground on the western shores of the lake. A landing was effected under the lee of the land, and the cargo of the bateau removed to the shore. Wahina was taken to the middle of the island and fastened to the tree. From this point a view of all the surrounding country could be obtained, and with ordinary care on the part of the exiles, it would be impossible for an enemy to approach without their knowledge. The provisions and other articles were transported on the wheelbarrow to the tree. "'I should kinder like this, if the folks hadn't all been killed off,' said Ethan, when the work was done, and he had seated himself at Fanny's side in the shade of the tree. "'We were very fortunate to escape with our lives, Ethan.' "'And I feel very thankful,' replied Fanny. "'So do I. "'And if you want to say your prayers now, "'we hain't got nothing else to do. "'I have said them many times. "'God can hear us even when we do not speak aloud.' "'I suppose so. "'Well, I said mine, too. "'And that's a thing I don't do very often.' "'I have no doubt they strengthened your arm "'and made you feel brave.' "'I don't know, but they did. "'But I feel as though a little grain of breakfast "'would strengthen my arm most just now.' Fanny was not very well pleased with the manner in which her rude companion spoke of serious things, and she improved the opportunity to embody the prayer of her heart in words. It was a fervent utterance, and Ethan seemed to join her in spirit. Both of them were grateful, not abstractly grateful, but grateful to God for His mercy in saving them from torture and death at the hands of the savages. They sat in silence for a moment after the prayer and then Fanny suggested that they should prepare their breakfast. Ethan had brought with him a shovel and a sharp axe, and while Fanny was peeling the potatoes and cutting the bacon, he dug out a kind of fireplace in the side of the hill. Some dead branches from the trees supplied them with dry fuel. Fried ham and fried potatoes were soon provided, and they sat down to their morning meal. "'I should like this first rate if we hadn't been drove away from home, just as we was,' said Ethan." 
It would be very pleasant if we could forget the poor people who have been killed and mangled by the savages, replied Fanny sadly. I read the light camping out and traveling over the prairies as we did when we came up here. What is to become of us after all, Ethan? I don't know. We must stop here, I suppose. We cannot remain here a great while. Why not? Our provisions will not last many days. We can get more. I don't think it is safe for us to go over to the settlement again. We've got plenty of powder shot, and there's ducks and birds enough, and this lake's full of fish. But we must leave some time. We cannot stay here through the winter. We can get off somewhere. Bye-bye. I don't know what all this business means, whether the engines is killing off everybody or not. Something will happen one of these days. It was impossible to plan for the future, for no one could tell what a day might bring forth. It was evident to the young exiles that the lake settlement had been destroyed, and the greater portion of the people killed, though they had no positive knowledge of the extent of the horrible massacre. They did not know what was really true, that the onslaught of the savages extended over hundreds of miles of territory, and that its victims were numbered by hundreds. When Ethan and Fanny had finished their breakfast, Wahina was unbound and permitted to eat all he wanted. His appetite did not seem to be at all impaired by his imprisonment, for he ate with a greediness which threatened to make serious inroads upon the scantity stock of provisions. While he was thus occupied, Fanny sang one of her Sunday-school hymns, a sad and plaintive air, which not only moved Ethan to the depths of his heart, but visibly affected the little savage. Noticing the effect, she followed up the impression until she was surprised to see Wahina offer her his hand. End of chapter 16 Recording by Scarlet, Louisiana